They're here. Someone cries out in your house when the doorbell goes and you get a little frantic because you realise those people that you were waiting for to arrive at your house for Christmas have actually arrived. They're here. How do you react? Depends on um, whether you want them to be there or not. So maybe for some of you, you're really excited. The anticipation is over. Those people that you've been waiting for have arrived at your door. They're here. And the emotion is excitement. But maybe for some of you, when you realize who it is who's arrived at your door for Christmas, the emotion isn't maybe excitement. Maybe it's a little bit of fear, even some dread, and maybe a little bit of panic. There's something clarifying about people arriving in the flesh. Not, a, not an email, not a text, not a tweet, not a WhatsApp, not an Instagram photograph, but actually arriving in the flesh. Hold that thought. I'll be home soon, said the World War II soldier as he turned to his wife and their little son. As he headed out the door for five years of war. And you know, every day the mother said to the little boy, she put him to bed. Look, here's a photograph of daddy and one day, son, daddy will come home. And so day after day, week after week, month after month, they went through this ritual of her putting him to bed and looking at the photograph. And one day, the little kid looked up at his mom and he said this, Mommy, wouldn't it be great if one day Daddy would just step out of the photo? Wouldn't it be great if he just stepped out of the photo frame and he arrived back home? You know, we believe that 2,000 years ago at Christmas, God stepped out of the photo frame in the form of Jesus. And you kind of heard that story a little bit through the kids. Didn't our kids do an amazing job on that media? Wasn't that phenomenal? It was so good. And not only the kids, but all the creative people that put that together in church. I'm so blown away by their creativity and their skill. Phenomenal. And yes, that first nativity story, there's a lot of stuff around it. Like it wasn't December the 25th. The wise men didn't come there and then. There's, you know, the baby definitely did cry because babies do, don't they? So there's a lot of that around it. But the basic essence of the story is this, that Jesus was born onto planet Earth. And we believe that that was God stepping out of the photo and arriving on the stage of human history. Now, for some of you here this afternoon... You don't believe that, and that's absolutely fine. But I want to ask you, just for the next six minutes, could you pretend like you do believe it? Because if you did believe it, then surely the next question you want to ask is this, why? Why would God step out of the photo frame in the form of Jesus? Why would he step onto planet Earth? Why would he arrive? Why would he come to our door? And I want to tell you three reasons why I think he did this. Number one, to erase the wrong ideas we all have about God. You know, many people say to me, I don't believe in God. And I say to them, okay. And I say, why don't you tell me why you don't believe in God? And often they'll tell me because God's this and God's that. And if there is a God, he's done this and he's that. And they tell me all these things about what they imagine God to be like. And I want to say to them, I don't believe in that either. You're thinking about the wrong God. That's not the God that I know. And you see, God didn't want to be misunderstood any longer. So he sent himself, he came himself in the form of Jesus so that we get a clear understanding of who God was really like. And you know, it's incredible. You see, when you've seen Jesus, the Bible says that you've actually seen God. This is who God is really like. Listen to what some people have said. Um, H.G. Wells was a historian and a famous author. And he wrote this, I am a historian. I am not a believer but I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in history. And you know, we mark time before and after, don't we? We don't mark it before or after Facebook 
or before or after I'm a celebrity, or even before or after Simon Cowell, we mark time before or after Jesus Christ, the most dominant figure in the whole of human history. And Hal Irwin, who was one of the um, first astronauts that stepped foot on the moon, he said this, the most significant achievement of our age is not that man stood on the moon, but rather that God in Christ stood upon the earth. And here's what one guy wrote who actually saw Jesus in the flesh. His name was John. He wrote a lot of the Bible, actually. And he wrote this in, in his gospel in John chapter 1. The word, which is another, word, another way of describing God and Jesus. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one of a kind glory, like father, like son. Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. You see, John would say, I've seen Jesus. God you're here. God, you're here. To erase wrong ideas we have about God. But secondly, I think God stepped out of the photo frame because he wanted to express just how much he loves us. Just how much he loves us. I read a newspaper story recently, which I thought was really funny. And I want to share it with you uh, this afternoon. And the headline said, who says men don't remember? And the story described a couple who went Christmas shopping and it was a packed shopping mall on a Saturday afternoon and the woman was dragging the husband around the shops. Men, anyone identify with the pain that that man was going through? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and as, it, as it was happening and, and, and he was tutting and blowing and you know, chuntering like we can sometimes do, but then all of a sudden she noticed that he wasn't there and she was a little annoyed and she was a little upset, but then she got worried. And so she phones him and she says, darling, where are you? And in a quiet voice, this is what the story said, he whispered this. Darling, do you remember the jewellers we went to about five years ago where you saw that really beautiful diamond necklace? And we both agreed we couldn't afford it. But I said, I'll save up and one day I'll buy it for you. The woman starts to choke up. She feels really bad about feeling bad about it. She says, yeah, I do remember the jewellers. And I do remember that really great necklace that we were going to buy. And he says, well, I'm in the pub next door. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely love it. But you know, don't we go crazy at Christmas trying to find ways to express our love? And so we buy loads of gifts and we, and we, and we do all this stuff. And you know, Money Advice Service will report, they, they report that this year they estimate that there will be £2.4 billion that is spent, that is wasted on uneaten, discarded food and unwanted gifts. One in 10 of our gifts will be unwanted and unused by us. And years ago, I read this quote, probably the reason we all go haywire at Christmas with the endless, unrestrained and often silly buying of gifts is that we don't quite know how to put our love into words. So we think if we just buy loads of gifts, that that will express what our love is really all about. Um, I watched an advert recently from Ikea, the Ikea advert. It was a great advert. It was really well done. And, and, and it was, um, they set up this thing where some families came into the store and they took the kids off and they asked the kids to write a letter to Santa about all the gifts that they would like for Christmas. And so the kids did that. And then they, they put that in an envelope. And then they said, now we want you to write a letter to your parents about what you'd like for your, from your parents. And they thought about it a little bit. And then the kids wrote things like this. We'd like to play more. We'd like you not to be so busy and stressed out at work. We'd like to spend more time with you. We'd like you to read a story to us occasionally. And they put that in an envelope. And then they said to the kids, which letter do you want to send? You can only send one. Do you want to send the letter to Santa with all the gifts that you want? Or do you want to send the letter to your parents? Most of the kids chose to send the letter to their parents. 
Then at the end of the advert, you see all the parents brought in and then they come and they give the, the, the letters to them that their kids had written. And you see all the parents start to cry as they, as they read the letter that the kids want to spend more time with them and all this and all that. Then, of course, at the end of the advert, it says, now come to Ikea and buy lots of things. <laughs> so it breaks down a little bit there. But the point is really powerful that actually we think that we express our love best by buying gifts, but we don't. We express our love best by giving of ourselves. And God has given us loads of amazing gifts, but he wanted to express his love the most, so he gave us himself. The Bible puts it this way. God showed how much he loves us by sending his only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love that God sent his son. He stepped out of the photo frame. God, you're here. But there's a final reason why I think God did this. And I think it's this, to enable us to actually have a relationship with him. You know, when I was a kid, um, my mom used to feed me on a certain thing. Actually, she used to feed me on lots of things. But the one thing that she used to feed me on was spaghetti hoops. Anyone remember Heinz spaghetti hoops or the alphabet things? And when I was a kid, I thought this was great. And I thought to myself, Italian food cannot get any better than this. Heinz spaghetti hoops. And then when I grew a little bit older, I realized that actually Italian food can get a little bit better than Heinz spaghetti hoops. But here's the point. You see, you might think this afternoon, oh, I know where you're going, preacher guy. You're going to this, like, invite God into your life. And you might say, hey, but my life's fine. I don't need any of that. Absolutely true. Maybe your life is fine. But here's the thing. With God in your life, it can get even better. And we often think that actually all we know of life is all that there is. And there's so much more. And God is massively into relationship, which is why he came in the form of Jesus, so that you and I could get to know him. And whether your life's a mess right now or whether it's all sorted out, God can come into your life and he can make a difference and make an impact. And you know, God knows us whether we're aware of it or not. And the thing is, he is so massively into relationship. The question is, will we let him in? And I wonder how many of us would identify with the innkeeper in the nativity story. We saw it there on the screens. That actually our house, our life is so full, it's so overcrowded. We haven't got any space to let him in. And maybe this Christmas time, we'll maybe open the door and give him a chance. Maybe you think, well, isn't this for religious people? Absolutely not. You look in the Bible, most of the people that followed Jesus were not religious people. Most of the people in this church, we are not religious people, okay? But we follow Jesus. Maybe you say, isn't this for weak people? Yeah, it is. And it isn't. Isn't it for strong people who've got everything sorted? Yes, it is. And no, it isn't. It's actually for all people, whoever they are, including you. So this Christmas, let's realize God hasn't left us on our own, but has stepped out of the photo frame. Love has crossed over. He has arrived. He is at our door. The only question is this. Will we let him in?